0: Hello, my name is Christopher Monroe, and welcome to the soundtrack to a life. Welcome back. I am Chris and will continue to be Chris for the foreseeable future. And with me once again is Eric. You remember him from a couple of weeks ago. Hi, Eric. I'm back. And we are discussing the album Fearless by an act called Legend today. Also of Icelandic fame. It is Iceland month. Iceland month continues. So, Eric, tell me your history with this album. What is it that drew you to it and made you choose it for this Okay, so yeah, Legend kind of occupies a special place in my heart. We have a, a, for those of you that aren't in Calgary, or for those of you who are and, and haven't heard of it yet, we have a beautiful little industrial music festival called Terminus that happens annually here at Dickens Pub. And the lovely thing about it is that Chris and Amber plan this event where the bands are also in the audience over three days. So it attracts relatively big names, relative unknowns, and, uh, and they all get together in this dark hot, it's always hot, basement. And for three days, everybody just bleeds it out. And uh, it was several years ago now, there was a, an act on the on the bill called Legend that I, I certainly wasn't aware of going in. But talking to people who have been to Terminus Festival year after year, that performance that night, Legend that night, was for many of them the standout performance of the entire history of the festival. There was just something so big. About legends' presence that night, and so fantastic in the live show, it it really felt it really felt like a Buzzcocks in Manchester moment, where there was just this thing happening, we were all there. And I guess the, you know the album always takes me back to that night. Nice, nice. I wish that I had been there for that. It it was fantastic. It was definitely a, a defining moment. Terminus, as a festival, has this annoying history of happening during something that I can't get off for some reason or another. And then a couple of months later, I become obsessed with one of the bands that performed for unrelated reasons to the festival, and I'm furious that I missed the show. Yeah, that's the curse of Terminus. I have to admit to a spotty record of attendance as well. Fortunately, we were in the the audience that night. My wife was approached earlier in the evening, just before the legend set by a a lovely young gentleman who asked if he could take a picture with her. She was wearing a, a mask that was made by an artist in the States great big leather mask with horns on it. it's a you know it's a gothic industrial festival so that seems very apropos but uh, it was only later in the evening that we realized that he was one of the band members from, oh. Le- from legend and it's it's just that kind of festival i i wish that i didn't have to work so much that i could you know make it all yeah. the time every time everybody ends up in somebody's <laughs> hotel room the cops are always called <laughs> it's uh i i don't get to attend many of those but it's it's a very rare treat to be to be that close yeah to be that involved that's it uh to be part of the atmosphere in that way yeah yeah and there's uh um... well it's very egalitarian yeah well i had never listened to uh, this album and i had never heard of legend previous to prepping for this episode and i do want to say for the record that this is my best case scenario in terms of what I was hoping that people would bring to me, okay, okay, over the course of this show, I can not express how well I enjoyed this. It started, and the opening track was this incredibly involved slow build, brooding semi instrumental piece, and I had assumed by about three minutes into it that that was going to be the vibe of the album. And I knew that they were a band that had appeared at Terminus mm-hmm. and that had been played at Dickens. And that style of music would have fit in very well as well there. And I would have been happy to listen to the album that was coming together yeah, the, the in my mind. Yeah, the first would make a great ambient industrial experimental album. Perhaps. That would be so, fine. I would be totally on board with that. And, that and then crue- the next crue- track crue- started, crue- and it's almost got like a throwback-y... New wavy, new romantic, synth pop vibe to it. Yeah. I, I actually uh, one of the reasons I put it on the list for you is the kind of emotional similarities that I find with uh, with some Depeche Mode stuff. Actually, it absolutely is a Depeche Mode kind of a feel to it. It's got a Mark Bolan feel to some songs. It's got a Nine Inch Nails feel to some songs. It's got a New Ordery feel. It's it's an album that very much wears its influences on its sleeve but recontextualizes them into something that is completely on its own. Yeah, I mean, even just sort of, uh, lyrically, there's a lot going on. But that's also under a very danceable industrial sound, for most parts. Very much so. An accessible industrial sound. Yes. It's not, Some uh, some of the harder, more discordant industrial groups, I respect without liking yes this this is not a noise album this is uh this is very listenable this is accessible absolutely and you know genre wise i think you know, some people would put them kind of in the industrial metal camp I would almost put them more in the new a v it does camp. it feels like it feels like new yeah yeah it feels it does feel like this album could have been released at any point from about nineteen seventy nine on yeah, and found a place in the music ecosystem. Absolutely. And I think they're very, very underrated legend. I mean, they're, they've are they toured in Europe quite a bit. I don't think they've toured in North America particularly much. They have a second album. Do they? They do. Because there was not one when <clears> I looked <throat> them up on iTunes. Midnight Champion would have been released in about November 2017. Really? That's exciting. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure how much that's uh, made its way around yet. So keep an eye open for them. I definitely will be. I have been badgering them. They're very responsive through their Facebook page. I've been badgering them to come back to Calgary. Yeah. Uh, when we were in Iceland to see Radiohead, we actually reached out and tried to find out if they were playing anywhere or uh, or anything like that, but they were actually in the studio at the time. So, But I think these guys, yeah, they've, they've got a good thing going here. Yeah. They are a tremendous boon to the synth-pop industrial goth world. It just works on so many levels. There are so many people that I know that are that are fussy about music that can find something to love in this album, and it's it's not an album of singles. It is crafted as a concept album. It yeah, there's a, a there's a unity of purpose here. Absolutely great throughputs. They are sharing what they have loved over the course of a lifetime with you as the listener, and you can hear every piece of what they have assembled separately as they combine into something completely new. Yeah, yeah, it's just beautifully thematic the whole album. And now I want to badger them to come back. Yes, we must. <laughs> <laughs> we must. So if you're in Canada, buy this record, pay full price, the new one, and also Fearless. Buy two, get it on, uh, get it on vinyl, get a CD. Yeah. Uh, tweet and Facebook at them to come back to Calgary and play Terminus once again. Correct. You're gonna have to Google under Legend Band Iceland because when you Google Legend John. It sure does. It sure does. A lot of John Legend comes out. Yeah. Which, John Legend, I have no complaints with. Sure, but but he's not. not what I'm here for today. He's not Legend. I mean, of course he is Legend. John. I thought Tim Curry was Legend. He was also Legend. That also comes up. (laughs) (laughs) It's maybe a difficult choice of band names. But, in the same way, Tool is a difficult choice of band names, and yet, who doesn't love... Eminently findable. Who doesn't love Tool? Yeah, I can think of very few people. That's right. That's right. The people in the middle. I, I once heard it expressed that uh, tool fans are either <coughs> intensely smart or intensely stupid. I have had that experience. <laughs> what was the expression in the late 90s? I, I would love to see tool play, but I don't want to have to interact with tool fans. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <laughs> a bit. We saw them in Spokane, Washington recently. Spokane, oh. Washington. Yep. It's still there. Well, I was, where would it have gone? (laughs) You don't hear from it. Towns don't just disappear. (laughs) Even Detroit's coming back. Detroit (laughs) is, mark my words, and this is for the record, Detroit is going to be huge in the way that a bombed out Berlin was huge, and a bombed out London was huge. Oh, man. You are going to get the best art out of Detroit, and it's going to happen soon. I'm down. I'm into it. It feels like a scene whose time has come. I think so. I think so. I think uh, that that kind of urban dissolution thing is fertile ground. It's hard. You know, coming from a city like Calgary, it's really hard. I think we're very privileged here that the town is clean and nice. And even in a downturn, there's a lot of money here, you know? it's uh, No, we have to wait for the oil to entirely run out Yeah, when the, before yeah, we can or, see what that's like. Or the water. <laughs> when the water's gone and this becomes a, a post-apocalyptic wasteland that's going to be a problem too yeah that that'll be difficult but uh you know like we we saw Blix play once when he was doing his read speech show and he talked about growing up in uh, a part of Berlin that had yet to be repaired after the war he kind of oh well taken off and was living in an artist commune that was squatting in this bombed out kind of Jewish ghetto neighborhood that that had been reduced to rubble and he talked about making industrial music because they didn't have instruments and in they were just bored out of their skulls and needed to make art, couldn't afford paint, couldn't afford whatever. So they bang on metal and concrete blocks. and Yeah. And you get Einsteins going about as a result. Yeah. I mean, that's the kind of thing that comes out of that experience. Whereas in Calgary, it's really hard. You have to really pretend to, to be a starving artist. World, right? <laughs> yeah. Not not that I'm saying that we don't have artists that have, you know, real trouble getting by day to day and things like that. But they're just, um the environment isn't as ag- aggressive as, as something like that. So finding a gigantic flop space in Calgary is wicked difficult. Yeah, I would think. I would think so. <laughs> yeah. Uh And we don't, yeah, we don't have the same, I mean, I don't mean to romanticize decay. No, no, no. But we don't have the same sense of romantic desolation. That's right. We worked with a client from Mexico recently, and uh, they took over an abandoned cinema in Mexico City for a uh, Jean-Paul Cartier show for Levi's, where he designed these kind of post-apocalyptic denim outfits that you might want in a, in a wasteland environment in this beautiful, crumbling cinema. And, you know, they asked us, we want a location like this in Calgary. And I said, you got to remember, most of this has only been here for like forty years. Yeah, we. There's a very small part of it that's been here for like a hundred years. There are no crumbling cinemas. We took Esso Plaza and turned it into a aggressively ahistoric. <laughs> yes, yes, I think. But I think every every city in its infancy is. I don't think uh, there's a lot of Londinium left at surface level. Um, the early efforts were plowed under in favor of something else, something that worked a little bit better, and and that's it. I think, you know, there's this kind of romantic idea about classicism, you know, where Calgary is supposed to spring fully grown from Zeus's head as this preservable, laudable monument. Um, when really, we're just kind of still trying to get our shit together. Yeah. We're a cattle town that found some oil that got fancy. Yeah. Had some lumber. <laughs> there was lumber in there, too. We had We had laws <laughs> that buildings couldn't be too tall within my lifetime. Yes. <laughs> yes. And part of that's due to fish spawning from a river, and they don't want to cast shadows and things like that, which, uh, you know, cities from a, a more brutal, cold and brutal time do not yeah. have to worry about. Build as tall as you want. That's very true. But here in Calgary, we're looking after the trap. Well, good for us. We're kinder and gentler. Just <laughs> doesn't build any Parthenons or anything. Oh. Also, we slaves need a build a lot of that <laughs> I mean, I don't... A lot of that slave labor, let's not forget. Yeah. Or, or spoils of, of unpopular wars. Which, also not great. Yeah, I don't think we want to do. And we don't have neighboring city-states to invade and sack. Minton looks like a right jewel. I didn't incite anybody. I'm just saying, we could steal their stadium. We could use one. I feel like our stadium's fine. Although, you know, I, I, I read an article the other day. It was one of the fellows involved with Sled Island had written it, and he was talking about a concert promotion in the province and he wanted to dispel the myth that somehow getting a new arena is going to bring the pop acts to calgary and he said uh, you know it's it's very simple math you drop a pin in edmonton and within driving distance you've got grand prairie fort mcmurray athabasca peace river red deer you'll also draw from calgary and lethbridge you drop the same pin in calgary the number of people is lower that's why they are going to edmonton now the saddle dome doesn't make it any easier because it's very difficult to set up a show. Totally get it. A lot of the shows don't even fit. But having the newest, schwankiest, paid-for-by-you-and-I arena in Calgary is not actually going to move those pop shows to Calgary. The promoter will still have them in Edmonton. Draw from the north of the province. There's not a gigantic number of people there, but there are enough that it makes the difference. That's right. And as as much as I would love to have, I don't know, The Cure stop in town, which would have saved me about 20-some hours of driving, um, it ain't going to happen. And then you'd have missed out on 20 solid hours of anticipation as you were about to see The Cure. Well, that's true. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, in Calgary, I buy tickets for things, and then I blow the show off because it's too easy to get to. Right? I did not blow off The Cure. I unfortunately had to do that with Brian Ferry when he came to Red Deer? That seems like a weird choice. And yet... And yet, there he was. And that, I'm sure, would have been a magnificent show. Brian Ferry is one of the coolest motherfuckers in Rock. He right is here. the last glam frontman. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's the. He's it. The quickening happened. He has all of their glam <laughs> powers combined the powers of Bowie, the powers of Bolin. Iggy Pop has retired, but I'm still counting it for the purposes of this bit. And the lightning hit him, and then he went back to being 22 years old and fronting Roxy Music, probably. I haven't seen him, so I don't know that for sure. So you're saying he understands everything? Yeah. He is everything. He is all of us. He can now sire a child, finally. I never really understood why that was the rule. I don't understand why that... Well, I mean, like, if Immortals were parenting immortal children... Why was the big... Eventually we would all be islanders. You finally get to have a child. I mean, wasn't the pan-dimensional cosmic power pretty much enough? Right? I mean, I feel like mortality was the gift. After that... After watching everyone that you've cared about die for 800 years, you can now have a normal life with a group of friends that you will age at the same rate as. And finally check out. Yeah, I feel sometimes mortality is the greatest gift of all. And then return to the planet Zeist. If they didn't want me to reference it, they shouldn't have made that movie. Well, it was always so weird about Highlander. Like, why did they go straight from 1 to 3? They Highlander 1, Highlander 3. Oh. What happened to Highlander 2? <laughs> you'd, you'd be wrong, my friend. They are refugee aliens <laughs> from the planet Zeist. Huh. And we will not be skating over that part of the show. That's, that's funny. I was entirely unaware of Highlander 2. It's almost like... It... <laughs> entirely gone from my mind sean connery feels the same way <laughs> yeah. it's contractually obliged to feel the same way right so yeah. now legend how many people are in this act it was three was when, it three when we were here i've seen them described on the internet in various places as a duo uh however it was three when we were here Three men but you know it, yeah the energy that night it would have filled the stadium easily yeah when i asked the question I would have accepted any number between one and about six with the exact same amount of credulousness. It feels like it could be the work of one obsessive producer with an encyclopedic knowledge of synth pop and industrial music. Or it could be a A KMFDM style collective of artists. Absolutely. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe it's just the Icelandic thing. But I know, like, uh, Krumi, the front man, he works on a few projects in Iceland. He's got a few things on the go. But it seems like it's a lot of these kind of small musical collectives. Uh, when we stayed at the Airbnb in Reykjavik, there was not a television in the suite, but there was an acoustic guitar. And I think that is typical of the experience there. I think they spend a lot of the long, dark winter nights uh, entertaining each other with music. And I think that's kind of where, you know, it's funny, in in, in some ways, legend owes some of its exposure, some of its popularity to the sugar cubes. I'd buy that. I suspect they paved the way a lot for a lot of bands from that area. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so. And I think, you know, kind of established Iceland as uh, as a contender. They have a yeah. beautiful uh, national music school in Reykjavik. It's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest building in town. And, uh, yeah, they attract talent from, from all over the world. Yeah, yeah. And now a uh, music scene that has been primed to view them as not only a provider of pop acts, but a provider of pop acts that are a little bit weird, and you are going to have to bear with them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and if you do do a deeper dive into Icelandic music, you may find the English is a little bit ESL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is a fun trope. <laughs> yeah. I have always enjoyed. That's one of my favorite things about sugar cubes while they were happening, but also all Scandinavian pop music. You cannot listen to a Roxette song without going, "Mm." yeah, this is not not the language in which you originally wrote this. (laughs) Clearly, but it's coming (laughs) off as very charming and I'm gonna go along with you anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, when you think about Reykjavik, it's a city of 250,000 people. Now, for local context, it's about the size of Red Deer, I want to say. So it would be like if Bjork, Sigur Monsters and Men, Legend, all came out of Red Deer. Yeah. I mean, granted, over the course of about 30 years, but... Yeah, for sure. But, uh, I mean, we're not counting Hannah or Three Hills as Red Deer, are we? No, we are not. Are we? How close are they to Red Deer? Not very. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Genuinely can't tell. So I can't think of one act from Red Deer. Somebody... (laughs) Somebody pointed out to me that we should probably be treating everything from here to Edmonton as one city. It's getting there. Yeah, it's getting, there. <laughs> it's getting there. Uh, Hannah's Hannah's still way up there, but yeah, culturally, they're punching so far above their weight. You know, I would, I would absolutely love. I don't think, like, you know, the Calgary music scene is very enjoyable. You go down to Mikey's Juke Joint or uh, Dickens Pub. We've taken some live music in town. There are some great musicians in this town, absolutely, and and very underrepresented. It's not, it's not a question of numbers. It's not a numbers game. Iceland proves that. It's not that we're a city of a million people and we can't have big acts. There's something in the promotion of the acts. There's something in the the hunger of the audience. I'm not sure what it is, but there is something that just does not connect. And I think Iceland has a lot to teach us about exporting culture. Yeah. Is part of it geography? I maybe. Although it's hard to argue that anything is more in the middle of nowhere than Iceland. That's the case. I mean, Calgary is in a lot of ways in the middle of nowhere. You can drive nine hours in any direction, and the biggest city is Edmonton. And you see that after three. Ten will get you to Vancouver, but of course the States isn't snuggled up to the border with us as we are with them. No. So the minute you cross the Montana border, you're in the hinterlands. We're really far from everything. We are. We are. It doesn't feel like it when you're in the town, but as soon as you venture out. Yeah. Yeah. You've got a long drive to nowhere ahead of you. Not in the same way that, say, Iceland. No. Which is... Actually isolated here's, by the is Here is the actual physical <laughs> yeah, yeah barrier that will murder you if you try to go by foot to another place. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's terribly isolated. So, yeah, it, it shoots a lot of the myths that we tell ourselves about why it doesn't work here right in the foot. We just haven't ask crafted him. that priority. I think we need to bring Bjork to town. Nenshi, I want Bjork. Let's bring her here. Let's ask her how you do. How you do... Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) Bjork. Tell us how you do. Yeah, because it is. It does. Because we don't. Does we don't. Does. (laughs) (laughs) I think that went really well. Yeah. No, it'd be interesting. I don't know how to. Like, when was the last time Calgary was a thing, even in its own mind? Are we talking about the mid '90s? Calliope, Red Autumn Fall, Placebo. Is Red Autumn Fall back? Are they back? I thought I saw. They played at Marquee. I feel like they might have played at Marquee. I have to go to Marquee in person and find out. Yes. Because I, I that, again, a very, very underrated band. Oh, man. Not in this town, they're not. And looking back... They owned this town for I, like I a mean, year I mean, and a half. I mean, globally. I mean, global <laughs> music. Oh, yeah, no. I don't know that they made it as far as... Like, the Tragically Hip is to Canada as Red Autumn Fall is to Calgary. Yeah. Right? Uh, but, again, just didn't achieve that external relevance, I No, guess. we imported our entire scene. Yeah. We sent the entire all-ages punk scene from that era to Toronto so that Calliope could be on the radio for a hot minute under a different name. Yes. Which nobody seems to understand about Toronto, is that Toronto enjoys artists from Toronto. You can't just go there, you can't just transplant yeah. them and suddenly be relevant in Toronto. They have some, already. Yeah. They're yeah. not waiting for you to come and show them things. No, no. Uh, you know, these are these are people that are already tuned into the Toronto vibe. And, and I think there's a myth in the West that somehow you can just go to Toronto and you'll make it. Uh, Toronto's already a thing. They have... It's full up. They don't need your help. They got Drake. They don't need your help. Create something local. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, not everybody from Seattle suddenly rushed off to... But I mean everyone did flock to Seattle once that happened. That's true when you make the scene. <laughs> not. But it's it's really tough, I think, to to take a market um, like Toronto or Vancouver and, and export a Calgarian act into that successfully. Because everyone knows everyone. All scenes are fundamentally incestuous. That's why it's called a scene rather than a meritocracy. <laughs> that, that's correct. That's correct. When the music meritocracy forms, things are going to be different. Oh my god. <laughs> do we just form a band? Cuz the music meritocracy is an amazing. We just agreed it will get nowhere. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> my libertarian synth-pop dreams. I know. I'll put the guitar away. I name about 6 bands a week and I have yet to have one band. But I do I great album names. Oh just, yeah. You know, No, it's going to be tremendous. I've already got a band that will one day Manufacture Bush era hipster nonsense because we saw a Kitty in the Window and then formed a ukulele and acoustic guitar pop group. We already hate this band. It writes itself and gives itself very unkind reviews. You've got a story arc. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know exactly what Kitty in the Window sounds like. Yeah, And you are not fond of them, I would imagine. I I already know the friend that's going to tell me, no, you really have to... I know what people say. I know what people say. You have to check out Kitty in the Window. I already have that friend. Meanwhile, I have a sweater vest and a (laughs) bushy beard. I've gained about 30 pounds. (laughs) We do one little John cover in the middle of our set, and (laughs) it is uncomfortably culturally appropriative. Nobody really knows if it's ironically or if you're serious. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But, yeah, I mean, if when Kitty in the Window hits it big, stay, yeah. stay in Calgary is my advice. I love not uh, don't, don't try to transplant it to Toronto and change the name. And, you know, if you have to keep selling import records at the HMV <laughs> downtown, nobody's yeah. angry about that. Yeah. You know your shit. It's sunrise now. You're dating yourself badly. Well, I mean, it was, uh, was mid-90s. But, <laughs> But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, do do your thing, do the Calgary thing. Yeah. This town could stand that. Yeah absolutely. And and simply uh simply put, Toronto won't stand the transplant. So yeah, uh do yourself a favor. Keep what you got. This is uh this is a town that can support a music scene. We are twice the size that we were. Well that that's also true. Yeah, absolutely. And and home to uh, you know, new facilities, national music centers here. Eight or ten different live music venues. Yeah, yeah. Uh, opened in the during or in the immediate aftermath of the Stampede. Uh, yeah, this year, I believe, was the first year that the Stampede is the world's largest music festival. Hmm, I had not been aware of that. So that's, I mean, definitely got to say something. And, of course, because it's so Western-themed, uh, you got all the backlash events, uh, which are very punky. So, you know, yeah. do it up. Uh, Dickens Pub actually hosts a lovely anti-Stampede uh, pancake breakfast, Course happens at night uh, and is boosfield so mm. like its own little stampede, but negative stampede. Which is uh, which is the joy of having your stampede breakfast at night. I could day drink with my pancake breakfast. I mean, I don't, I don't know why, but that, that is wasn't my always breakfast. the way. Because then that's your whole day. Nah, I guess. Yeah, I, <laughs> I mean, it's the kind of event I can wear my sunglasses to. So yeah, but I mean, the power to wear your sunglasses was in you all the time. But that was my hero's journey. I mean, you I, had to learn that. Yeah. Yeah. You spent the whole second act with your sunglasses wearing feather, <laughs> but then you lost it. Realized you never needed it at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. The, the, <laughs> the, the darkest timeline. No, I, I wear sunglasses. sunglasses feather. <laughs> Live instruments or programmed? You know, thinking back, this is what I can say about that. I believe it was programmed instruments, but to be entirely frank, the album does not do the live show justice. No. They actually don't resemble each other hardly at all, which was a disappointment to some in the wake of the show to to scramble to the merch booth, scoop up the album. And yeah. the next day at breakfast, there were a lot of people saying, is, that, is this the same band that we saw last night? Well, that doesn't seem fair. So there was there was actually uh, you know a relatively large disconnect with the album right off the hall. And we actually kind of had to wait and let the memories die down of the live show and then i finally gave the album a full listen just as its own piece of art not associated with the live show and they're two different things they're absolutely two different things no album is ever going to sound like discovering your new favorite band in a small club in the basement underneath a weak store that's, yeah. no, that's, 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 that's never true. going to happen that's, yeah that's never happened and, and you know i spend a lot of time looking for my new favorite band through albums. And I think that's the wrong approach. I think that's the wrong approach. When I find my new favorite band, it's almost always live. Yeah, the energy is its own thing. Though I will say, having only listened to the album, it sounds incredibly big and sweeping for three people programming music. It sounds well, and, and, It yeah. sounds very present. I want to buy a black Corvette mm. and then drive it down... Seventeenth Ave with my window down, playing this. It is fantastic driving music. Yeah. I can attest to that. Yeah, Absolutely. I would think. I would think majestic driving music. But yeah, a, a strong enough beat to keep you awake, fiery, but changes. You know, there's yeah, like you say, sweeping sweeping emotional vistas, which is it's it maybe maybe like the Sugar Cubes too. It's one of those albums that you don't want to just put on in the background. You gotta you gotta be present. And I think a little bit like we were talking about the Sugar Cubes too. I'm not sure if there's a contrived radio single here. No, I'm not sure if there's a single on this album. I think if you're making this style of music, you are not attempting to get on the radio. Which kinda of leaves you free. Yeah. To do what you want with your album. You own. can pretty much craft what you want, find two thousand devoted fans who are willing to follow you from project to project. Yeah, maybe that's and then you're beholden to no one. You know, a lot of a lot of times I kind of feel this way about Bare Naked Ladies albums. Of course, being of a of a certain vintage. Of an age. Of an age. Gentlemen of an age. Bare Naked Ladies albums always felt like a great concept album with one radio single inserted somewhere in the first three tracks. And if you were to, say, skip that track, what you had was a raw, beautiful, emotional, organic album experience with one radio-friendly nonsense song interjected. Except for, uh, I feel like maybe you should drive Lacked the radio song. I feel like they hadn't come up, come to their formula yet. Yeah, yeah, that that might be entirely true. And it was their worst-selling album, and also their best. And I feel like uh, Maroon may have had a more overall radio-friendly tone than a lot of people will not believe. If you if you've only experienced the Bare Naked Ladies through the radio singles, you will not understand, and and you will laugh hysterically when you hear this. How deeply emotionally gutting. A bare naked lady song can be oh one hundred percent like they get into some dark shit for all the silly clowny nonsense. Big Bang Theory theme songs. There are at least two or three songs about you know the desperations of drug addiction, the feelings of inadequacy. But this is some love very... songs about actual adult love. Yes, rather yes. than the first weekend. Absolutely, absolutely. Outside of the honeymoon stuff. And I mean, I am positive that Big Bang Theory's theme song and Fast Rapping bought them all very nice houses. Yes, yes, exactly. But there is also an artistic nugget under all of that. The Naked Ladies has an artistic nugget under all of that. Listen to the albums, people. Well, I have them on the list. That's over here. Somebody's going to pick one and then we're going to deep dive whether we like Stephen or Ed better over the course of about an hour, right? Wow. That's that's like asking, is is peanut butter or jelly better? The the only true answer is no. They're better when they're together. One of them is clearly better. I won't say anything (laughs) more than that. (laughs) Call that a teaser for later in the season. That is correct. (laughs) Somebody picked naked Ladies. I have to know the answer. So, yeah, that is bringing us close-ish toward the end. We have listened to Fearless by Legend. I have loved it. It has slotted right into the middle of what I like to listen to already. Yes. I will absolutely listen to this album more in the future going forward. I will 1000% be checking out the new album by these guys at my earliest convenience. We're going to play play it out with Devil and Me this week. Brings us to the end of our night. Eric, do you have anything, uh, do you have anything you want to plug? Do you have any projects with social media presences that you want to throw out there or product that's coming to market? We, uh, we typically do brand stories. So, uh, but but follow along. We post some some fun photos behind the scenes and things like that. So, yeah, keep up. We're fun. But you haven't told them where. I, I'm sure it'll be. You click here. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all
0: right, I'll throw on the. Click. Uh, click or is it down here? I'll throw on the episode notes. No, oh. I'm I'm new to podcasts. It's my first one, so I don't know where to point. But yeah, yeah, we uh, follow us at mediapop.ca. We're all over the socials. Mediapopyyc. You'll find us there too, uh, on the various platforms. Uh, where you'll also meet my charming business partner, Ryan Northcott, of uh, Mystery Alaska Paint. Perfect. This has been uh, the Soundtrack to Our Life. Follow us along on Facebook and Twitter at SoundtrackCast. We are at SoundtrackCast.com. Subscribe to us, review us, grab people by the face, tell them to listen to us, uh, bully the band Legend into coming back and playing Calgary again. Or we can all go to Reykjavik. All of us. I Every mean, all of us. single one of it will find a weekend, Yes. and we will make that work. We will crowdfund it. Nice. Crowdfund everything. <laughs> Crowdfund it all. Playing us out, Devil and Me. Uh, enjoy the remainder of your day, you guys, and we will see you in two weeks with a different album and a different guest and a different experience.